Welcome back uh, to the Roll for Insanity podcast. Um, we were able to get uh, Caleb to stick around, so we're, uh, we're able to record another uh, DMs only. And uh, he actually brought something he wanted to discuss, and uh, we're going to turn it over to uh, Caleb. Hello, that's me. Uh, so the thing I wanted to bring up to the DMs podcast, or I guess the DMs only section here, is uh, what are you guys' thoughts on integrating uh, like non-core materials into your guys' campaign? Because I know for myself, I integrate this one uh, thing for our wild magic sorcerer. Uh, basically, it's just a uh, wild magic sorcery table that has not 100 options, but 10,000 options oh, as <laughs> what uh, like you know, wild effects could happen. And usually like, uh, down this table, it has like the caster, like the caster has this happen to them. And that's like usually like 10 of them. And then it just keeps going on for, uh, quite some time. But I was wondering if you had anything like that, uh, that was like maybe some written material that wasn't core, but if you've incorporated it into your own campaigns, that's interesting. Um, I want to know who sat down and wrote out 10,000 different uh, possibilities. That's an excellent question, but I am so happy they did it. <laughs> <laughs> His name's on the document, I think. Yeah. Uh, their name, it says by Oryx. Thanks, Oryx. Woo. That's anyway. so impressive. Yeah. Um, I'll let you start. I know that you that's a, a pretty good thing with you. Oh, I love homebrew material. Yep. Um, I really have to vet it because a lot of it is really like broken and usually not great. But, um, Caleb, you know that I love the D10,000 wild table. I, I swear <laughs> by it. If anyone ever plays a wild magic character in any of my you campaigns, have to use you it. have to use the D10,000 <laughs> table. Um, actually, funny story about that. One of the last one-shots that Caleb ran that I played in, um, my character got uh, a 10,000 on the D10,000 wild magic table, <laughs> which is uh, the stars are aligned, I think it it's, says. The stars are right. Right. And um, the way that Caleb perceived that is the entire town that we were in getting hit by a meteor swarm, and I killed pretty much everyone. <laughs> so Yeah, I kind of described it as like all the stars aligned up in the sky, and then as if God was firing them all off as pool balls straight into the same city in the same point. <laughs> that sounds more like a Roman candle to me. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the result was the same. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, um, I love the D10,000 Wild Magic Table, and I know that there are a bunch of people who have issues with it where it's like, oh, I can't have that effect happen <laughs> because it'll derail my entire campaign, to which I say, just just don't tell them what the result was and roll it again. Like, <laughs> you're the DM. You don't, you don't have to make the players roll for it. You can just do it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, D10,000 Wild Magic Table, great. I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, like other homebrew stuff, um, I don't include a lot of my own. Um, but if any, like, players come up to me and they, like, say, hey, I found this homebrew, can we run it in your um, campaign? I'm usually like, yeah, I'll skim through it, and if it's not, like, broken, then that's fine. Um, like I had a player that wanted to play 
a variation of the artificer which was from ua because at this point the official artificer from eberron hadn't been released yet and so it was i believe the name is tasty kibbles uh artificer <laughs> so shout out to tasty kibbles um Ayo. but they did like a really good job of designing this artificer and that's actually the one that i'm playing in joey's campaign right now um and yeah so there's like a bunch of depth to that and it plays very differently from the core artificer but it shares a lot in the same kind of like fantasy like being a like a tinkerer and working with like technology and stuff so um that's just one example of a really good homebrew that i've put into my campaigns and i will allow pretty much in my campaigns anything even if it's completely off the wall um, mm-hmm. however, I do give them a caveat that, uh, if it seems that it's a uh, very overpowering or if it just, you know, it seems to be you know, too unrealistic, I might stop it. But for the most part, I think most of, most of my players, um, they get it and they just, it is just to spice things up. It's a little bit different. Um, we played, um, I don't know what is tallest. I don't even know what version that was. Is that five E? I don't remember. I Tullus, feel like we I did Tallest twice. I think we did it in 3.5 and 5e, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. that that was interesting because that was my first uh, time with uh, uh, gunpowder gun and yeah. guns. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, I am a purist, and I mm-hmm. will I will stick to that. Um, I believe uh, that uh, D and D should be you know dungeons and dragons and medieval in in theme. Um, but I'm 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 loosening up a little in my old age. You know, I don't know if it's senility or, you know, I'm just getting, becoming a, you know, just too tired to fight anymore. You know, I just let them in. But um, but I don't have a problem with it as long as it, like Ryan said, it's not broken and it, it's not, you know, way overpowering. You know, I don't want some, you know, the superhero in the group. That's, yeah, you know, like that's not the point. I have this, like, the superhero class, so I get, like, flying and then also, right. like, laser vision or and something. Also, my AC right. is 24 at level 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, like, the like what you were saying, Dad. Um, that's the one thing that I reserve uh, whenever I, like, tell my players, like, when they bring me a homebrew is, like, I'm going to look over this, and if I decide to let you play it, I'm still going to reserve the right to tweak it one way or the other. So if I feel like you're too overpowered, I'm going to like probably like bring it up with you and we'll talk about it and then I'll probably nerf your character a little bit. Or if your character seems too weak and you're underperforming um, because of this homebrew compared to the other players, then I might tweak it and give you a little bit of a buff so that you're slightly stronger. I'm still waiting on that three halflings in a trench coat no, fighter subclass. <laughs> Is that so you get like one and a half human, you know, uh, size and so basically it's yeah, three half legs in a trench coat and like some of those skills are like uh you get disadvantage on dexterity because you're all trying to like you're keeping most of your <laughs> like dexterity into balancing yourselves on top of each other. Uh but like one of the maneuvers you can do is you can actually split up into three different people. You all still share the same health pool, uh, but you can like Essentially, you can give yourself advantage by, like, swarming somebody, and each person will get, like, one attack or something like that, and you can't really get much, like, extra attacks after that, but my favorite is that uh, when you get to 18th level, you become four halflings in a trench coat, (laughs) and the last one has to be named Steve. 
which is the best <laughs> part. They're like, they call him Steve, and then that's all they describe him as. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Being I, able I to... can understand why it's broken, but I also love the gag. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, and some of them, you know, some of them that I've seen are, you know, they're okay, uh, but probably not one I would want to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. allow in my campaigns. But, uh, but again, I say, you know, I will stick by it. I am a purist and, you know, I, I don't even like, you know, guns, uh, gunpowder, explosives, anything like that. Um, it's just, it, you know, when you, you look back in history and when the Chinese figured out gunpowder and they're able to make, you know, missiles and, uh, you know, projection, you know, displacement using gunpowder, a.k.a., you know, the uh, gun um, mm-hmm. That turned the, the tables on, you know, if you think about uh, even in America here, uh, when the cavalry had rifles and the uh, indigenous peoples did not, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they could wipe out, you know, so many in a blow. Yeah. What they didn't realize, they only had to bring in one person with smallpox and would take out the whole tribe. You know, I mean, that's it, but things like that. That's see now that's something that I'd like to see incorporated into a campaign sometime. That just gave biological me biological warfare. Well, I'm thinking maybe <laughs> not so much, but uh, maybe a plague. That would be interesting. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't like overly, you know, express, you know, uh, majority power, you know, for somebody that has like a, you know, a long-reaching um, rifle versus you know the other you know whoever the combatants are having like a short sword even a long sword even a you know let's be honest even a crossbow mm-hmm. you know and, and some of the mechanics i think are still broken in in just the regular core too you know a crossbow that's almost a that's you know that's not a, a it should take one round to cock because that's not like pulling a the arrow from a quiver and pulling it you know into the uh, the knock and then the string on a bow and letting it fly there are actually weapons that have the reloading trait, and that just means that you have to spend an action on your turn to reload it. So you can't but move or it, anything? It could yeah. be an action or a bonus action, I believe. So um, you would basically just be giving up like a part of your turn to reload it every round. Mm-hmm. And I know in 3.5, you used to have to take like an entire round right. to reload those. Well, and if, I mean, if you look in, you know, if you watch how an old you know crossbow especially a heavy crossbow right you have mm-hmm. a you had a crank you know the thing cranked up yeah, you, the, you, you know put the it on back. the floor oh, yeah. and you, you, you had, had a hand crank yep you yeah. had a little stirrup that you put your foot through so that you know then you'd have to crank it you know um i'm okay with you know new things and i don't mind going that route but uh you know i would like to make sure it's tempered you know so that uh, right I, I mean, I'm, I'm again, you know, I'm getting a little more, you know, mellow in my old age. And, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, guns you know, too much anymore. As long as the you know, the way the theme is set and, you know, what the situation is and, you know, how the campaign's being run. Our current one is, uh, you know, does involve uh, rudimentary guns. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I kind of agree with that, with like the theming. Um like for instance in my campaign setting guns do exist but they're like very few and far between unless you're like in this one country or like adjacent to it and so the only characters that i ever had that like wielded guns were either from this one country or had been there at one point and picked one up 
and so they were a relatively like rare commodity and um you could still like balance around them they weren't like you know the end-all be-all of weaponry and i feel like yes guns are overpowered in our real world but then also you have to you know consider that magic exists and um you know you might be able to shoot somebody from 200 feet away with your gun but you can hit somebody with a lightning bolt from like 600 feet away so right right (laughs) you know and i mean if you look look at it logically somebody who's casting some type of um spell you know like like you said that's just an extension of them but it really isn't much difference than being you know having them have a gun right like you said, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, so I think you're right. I think as long as it's tempered and it's not way overpowering, I and think we're good. And if it's the setting, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, you know, if, I mean, if you're truly in a medieval setting where, you know, nobody has it and one guy pops out, you know. Right. You know, the fire stick, you know. Mm-hmm. What what crazy spell is on that, you know, piece of wood. It's and a wand. Tube. It's a That's exactly, wand. yeah. It shoots wands. That's, you know, that's yeah. a, you know, they probably wouldn't get it. No, I think that's good. And I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good. That's a good one to to, uh, to dish out. We might want to delve into that one a little bit deeper, you know, down the road. Um, now I've got one for the two of you, and uh, I like this one. Uh, it's uh, what is something that you know today, being a DM, that you wish you knew when you had first started. Hmm. Mm. You mean when I first started playing or when I first started DM. DMing? Yeah, okay. well, yeah, something that, you know, that you now know because you've DM'd for so long. What do you wish you had known from the very beginning? Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. There are a lot of things that I wish I could tell little Ryan when he first started DMing. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll throw this out. Uh, mine is that you don't have to be perfect. You know, you, you, you. The mechanics are in the game, but like we all kind of agree on that, uh, the storyline should be the what's driving it, and the, you know how your interaction with the your player characters, your you know non-player characters, um, and whatever the story is, um, the mechanics are kind of you know they're they're there to help, especially a new DM. You know, so that, you know, the, the players aren't calling out, no, that's not the way it works, you know. The, the, mm-hmm. it's, look on page 210, that's not, you know, that's not what it says. Um, but you don't have to be perfect. Yeah, right. And I think that's right. a lot of people, and I think that that stops a lot of people from doing, you know, a DM, you know, gig at some point. Right. Um, I think for me, the one thing that I would have liked to know earlier is, like, don't be afraid to make your own content. Because for a really long time, I just kind of stuck to everything that Wizards had made. And, like, you know, magic items, I just look in the DM guide, pull something off the table, give that to the players, or, like, a plus one sword or whatever. And these days, most magic items that I give to my players in my campaign, I make myself. Like, just because I can more custom tailor them to, like, what I know the player would enjoy and something that would thematically like fit their character. And so, um, and that like applies to like enemies that they fight too. So for instance, recently um, I had my players fight a troll 
but it wasn't a regular troll. It was one that I had like made myself. And so it wasn't perfect. The, there was definitely room to have like improved on it because I did make it, I think almost a year ago for a completely different encounter, but <laughs> I ended up using it here. Um, and like basically the entire like gimmick gimmick behind this troll is that it had like mushrooms growing out of it. And so the spores from the mushrooms would like affect people that were fighting it in close range. And <laughs> so um, they were going to like stun people that were adjacent to it whenever it gets hit and like shakes spores loose. Um, <laughs> and so like just being able to have that flexibility and creativeness to like make your own things and you don't have to worry about them being super broken or too weak because you can just kind of tweak that in the middle of the combat without anyone knowing. <laughs> if you're like, oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't have made it so that my players are stunned for one minute when they get affected by the spores <laughs> of this troll. You could be like, yeah, that's just one round actually <laughs> because maybe one minute is a really long time to be stunned without a save. That is yep. a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what... What's last a, year i was thinking round is six seconds yeah yeah um yeah. i think yeah that's 10 rounds i don't remember my <laughs> i don't remember my original intentions but <laughs> but i believe that if um the troll got hit with fire it was supposed to like burn up the spores and that would like keep you from being stunned so so like if you already were stunned you would come out of it nice and also of course the trolls are weak to fire so it doesn't get its regeneration bonus or whatever so mm -hmm. yeah but so, right, going back to the to the question itself, um, yeah, just knowing that you don't have to stick to the books perfectly and making your own content totally works and to not like worry about it. And I think that that will you know depend on the 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 DM because some DMs, you know, they'd like to be able to read you know, from the modules and, you know, I mean, I think they could do it, but some of them maybe don't feel they're creative enough and right. don't even try. And that's a shame because, I mean, I think some of the best uh, campaigns are the ones that are just off the wall, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's kind of the point that I'm getting at is like, you know, original DM me, like I probably still set it in like my own universe because that was something that always appealed to me. But you don't have to follow the stat blocks that Wizards puts out for every single monster in the monster manual. And <laughs> so, like, you know, maybe these wolves don't have an AC of 12. Maybe they're bigger than regular wolves, but they aren't quite dire wolves. They have, like, an AC of 14 and more hit points. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Just being able to, like, go off book, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Caleb? Um, I think for me, it's more uh, trying to be like, I understand that transparency is a good thing between the DM and their players, but I think that uh, I felt like I was a bit too transparent in the beginning mm. of like, uh, you know, just like rolling and then, you know, like telling my players, okay, well, they have an AC of this, so you don't hit or they, you know, just kind of like almost giving them like essentially giving them the stat block and not really having any mystery behind the screen mm. uh was definitely a big thing for me because i wanted to at the time just help my players understand what you know how i'm rolling and like you know sorry i actually did roll like two 16s <laughs> instead of like 
uh, you know, fudging the numbers or, you know, doing that kind of stuff because I feel like when you are too transparent, then uh, the players kind of are not as surprised when you go into different encounters and they are not, uh, I guess, I feel like they're not as in- invested with their characters of like, oh yeah, well, you know, I I told you ahead of time that this was going to be happening, so uh, it's happening now. Uh, instead of just like, oh yeah, you're in this dungeon, and then you don't really like explain, uh, like, oh yeah, this is a trap that needs like a DC of this. You just say, all right, there's a trap there. You want to try to, you know, break it, or you want to try to disarm it? Go for it. See what happens. Uh, yeah, that's a good one too. You know, yeah. especially in that situation where you know you can say, you think you did a marvelous job, mm-hmm. and you know that and they didn't glean anything from it. They didn't realize that it was way out of their league. They actually think, and that's, I agree. Uh, I was guilty of being too transparent as well. Like I don't roll my dice in front of the players too much anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just because there is the ability to fudge, you know, cause I don't want to, I don't do a you know total party kill. I, that's not my, that's not my gig. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, but they have to die if they do stupid things. I mean, I, I get yeah. that. But uh, no, I totally agree. I think that's uh, something that all new DMs should realize that you don't have to, you know, have that transparency where the the players get to see everything. And if the players are demanding it, maybe those aren't the players you want to, you know, hang around with because they're more the, you know, I'm in for the numbers and I want to, you know, what did Mm. they call that? Hobo murderer? Is Mm. that what it is? Murder Murder hobos. hobos. Murder hobos, yeah. You know, where it's just that's their only thing, you know. I've seen some DMs where they will discuss, you know, you'll roll. And depending on how you roll, they will give you the scenario. You know, you, you know, I shoot my crossbow at the, uh, the troll, you know, sitting behind the, the rock. You don't know what was rolled, you know. Uh, well, I mean, you, mm-hmm. the player knows what he's rolled, but, yeah. you know, he, the DM won't. Know how. Well, and he won't divulge much. He'll say, you know, you see the, your arrow, you let go of the string. The arrow's flying true. However, at the last minute, a small breeze carries it, you know, uh, just off target and it hits the rock and ricochets, you know, bouncing into uh, bushes nearby. Mm -hmm. Now that becomes, that's part of the storytelling, you know, and I'm guilty of that. I've never go through that much. Um, I think you do, Ryan. I I usually, I, I hear a lot from you. And Caleb, I have yet to, you know, be a player under one of yours, but I'd be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, there's something that I think a lot of people, you know, don't do. Yeah. And like you said, you know, well, he's got a, you know, an AC of such and such. Well, don't tell him that. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're going to figure it out eventually. You know, I rolled a 17. I didn't get, I rolled an 18. I did hit. Okay. Now I know what his you know, right. AC is. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's, but that's them metagaming as well that, you know, that shouldn't, you know, really click in but i mean you know uh, you can't keep that from happening yeah and that's Mm -hmm. something i try to do uh, but a lot of the time i get lost in the game and i forget that i'm a storyteller (laughs) um but yeah trying to give your players hints through like verbal cues or like painting them a picture of like what happened so like for instance let's say you were like one or two off of the ac um that in like and you're swinging like an axe or something, I would say like, um, 
you know, you bring your axe down and it like chinks into their armor, but it doesn't seem to like go all the way through. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that would tell the player like your aim was true. So like you were really close, but then the fact that they were wearing armor inhibited you from actually doing any meaningful damage. And so I try to remember to do that, but like, you know, sometimes I'll just get lost in battle and keeping track of everything and I'll even forget to tell my players that like an enemy is bloodied. <laughs> and so they're they're over here thinking like, oh my gosh, this guy's still at like seventy five percent health and he has like nine HP left or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was really funny like what you brought up for murder hoboing, which is uh has happened a couple of times since I've run one shots and I want to introduce new players. And a lot of times that's like their main thing of like, all right, I just wanna like play Dungeon Dragons so I'll use my weapons, so I'll try to murder hobo somebody. And usually what I have is I have, like, essentially a sideboard of higher-level PCs that I just kind of, like, can swap in between NPCs and them. So, like, they'll try to, like, fire someone from a long range, and it's like, oh, no, he's actually, like, a level 15 monk, and he immediately catches the arrow, Hmm. and he's looking right at you for shooting at him, and they're like, oh, I probably should be killing somebody who's potentially gonna kill me <laughs> well i think that's you know the first time players especially they have no clue they don't they don't understand the mechanics i mean right. you know some mm-hmm. of them now we we talk about you know spencer um a couple uh, times yeah you know, <laughs> but i mean his claim to fame is the triple you know fail triple but, fail, yeah. but uh but he is very true to his character you know and uh i mean it it, it does make a difference you know um because he would read everything. I mean, he'd have the he, literally. I think he would not do homework and was reading the books mm-hmm. because he was younger. He's several years younger than Ryan. Yeah, and he's um, like twenty. I, I say. think so. Twenty so, in October, maybe. So you know, but he was one of those that was very you know into the game. But he was too young to play when we first started. Mm-hmm. So he would just read the books. And by the time we had him come in in his first campaign, he was already, you know, fully, fully vested. Complete expert. And, <laughs> you know, and he plays his character. That's one of the, the one things that I have to give to Spencer. It, it doesn't matter what the DM says. He goes, nope, that's what I would have done. Nope, nope, that's what I'm going to do. No, that's the way I'm going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes some moxie. You know, and I wish the other players would do that. Yeah. You know, he he knows, you know, he knows going in that this is probably going to kill him. But yep. you know what? He's okay with that. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. You don't know what's on the other side. <laughs> That's right. I love when that those kind of things happen. Like, even take my character in the, like, last sessions of Joey's campaign where I'm like, yeah, I got to go stash my rifles. And it's like, you, you know that you're in, like, an area where there's, like, a bunch of guards running around. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I'd rather, like be caught with my rifle shoved away somewhere where it won't be found than caught with the rifle on my back. And so like, I, I knew what I was doing was stupid. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to get like found. And there's a very high potential for my character to die right here because I'm level (laughs) two, I think maybe I was still level one at that point. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just like, or no, we were level three. Yeah, we That's started right. at level three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but you, just still, to fit the... Right. And so I was like, man, you know, there's a very good chance that I could die here, but this is what my character would do. And that's that's such a loaded phrase because there's 
only two ways to perceive that i feel like there are people who use it's what my character would do to justify them doing stupid bad things like mm-hmm. oh yes my character is um a kleptomaniac and so robbing my entire party is what my character would do and then it's just to like push their own out of character agenda yeah and then other people who sacrifice their out of character agenda because of their in character so i think it all depends on really where your like motivation lies whether it's feeding into your character or feeding out of your character so that makes sense yeah, sorry, I kind of derailed everything that we were talking about. <laughs> no, there, but I mean that's that's the whole point. This is you know, for us as DMs to uh, you know kind of vet some of the the frustrations and you know the things that we go through. And on that vein, I want to throw out uh, we're almost out of time again. But what is your favorite um, situation? Would you rather be a player? Or do you really enjoy and don't mind, you know, being the DM? That's actually really tough. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on the day. Because I, whenever, I don't know, it's kind of like a grass is always greener scenario. Right. Like, yeah. every single time I'm DMing, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could be playing in a campaign like the one that I'm running. And then every single time that I'm playing in a campaign, well, obviously I'm enjoying that, but I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea that this guy thought of. I want to incorporate that into my campaign. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a cycle, I would say. The fact that I get to do both is great, and I'm really glad for that. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, I don't know. If I had to pick which one I liked more, it might be playing, just because I still get the agency of being able to, like, control a character, so it's not like everything is entirely out of my hands. Right. But, like there's something that I really enjoy in like writing a character in their backstory and then being able to play with other people who like have the same kind of intent as I do. Like I haven't been able to play in a campaign with Caleb in like years. It's been because a while. Either well, he's DMing for yeah. me or I'm DMing for him. Right. So yeah. like, it's super refreshing whenever we get to play together. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, would I want to give up my own campaign on Wednesdays for both of us to like play in somebody else's campaign? I don't know, because I really enjoy running that too. So. And what about you, Caleb? Um, Do you have a preference? It's, it's a bit difficult. I want to say maybe like it's by a small margin, but like probably I'm, enjoy more being the player mainly because of the mystery because mm. as the dm i love having you know crafting the story but you and, know the ending and, right. yeah <laughs> and getting the jump on the players a little bit spooking them a little bit uh you know whether it's like a person with like a plus 19 stealth or uh you know something like that's right around the corner of like yeah there's like a cursed totem over there <laughs> that you don't know about but you know i think it's really cool uh, but you know, as a player, it's really nice and refreshing to kind of just, uh, experience that new world that the DM has for you as well as, uh, get really getting to know like the other characters for who they are. Right. Cause I absolutely love that. Uh, like the only thing I may know is like, maybe we have one warlock, one fighter, but I don't really know anything else about the other characters. So it really helps me like getting into 
uh, figuring out like who the other party members are and like what are their key strengths and uh, making those like in-game relationships right. uh, build, which is really fun for me. I like that, you know, and I, I wish more campaigns would do that where you didn't really know everybody. You don't know who they are, what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, our current campaign right now, say, we really don't know I much think about. Joey did a really good job. Of he that. did. It, and you know. um, he used this rumor homebrew, which is something I'd love to plug. I don't remember who made it, but it's basically a system where when you meet a, another player, um, you get one of a randomly selected rumor about them. And I think you write one good, one bad, and one that's untrue. And so... Yeah, I think we did two. Yeah. Two, two, two good, rumors two that are bad. good, two rumors that are bad, and then one that's completely false. false and, you know. Right. And yeah. if they get that one, they the whole campaign, they could think, you know, he's the one that murdered all those puppies. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? like, I, I, I heard that on, like, one of your earlier podcasts, and I was like, man, that's so cool. I need it to is. do that for my next campaign because I feel like now it's, like, that's just too late in the game. They already <laughs> kind of know each other, so right. I can't just – and so Joey managed to weave that in and the way that he did it is whenever you learn somebody's name he would randomly roll the dice and then give you one of the rumors right. about them and that was cool Oh, okay because it's like oh I recognize that name that ties back to this rumor yeah mm-hmm. and so um, like wasn't he friends with the president right <laughs> and so we went into this not knowing anything about each other not even classes I don't think and mm. the only information that we gathered was through interactions with each other, um, assumptions on our own part, and then these rumors that we don't even know if they're true or not. Right. So, yeah. Because yeah. it's just a rumor. Yeah. It's just a rumor. Well, this has been a great session, guys. Um, hopefully, we'll get Caleb to come back uh, a couple more times, uh, you know, before uh, you know I die. <laughs> it's um, been a blast i it's you know and i i know the the problem is with the all the schedules everything is just kind of crazy mm-hmm. but uh you know we definitely would like to do this more often um we'll see things are kind of switching i know that caleb's uh, uh schedule is changing a little uh ryan's is uh, going to be freed up here a little bit uh in the near future so uh we'll see we definitely would uh, like to see you back and uh we'll see what you can come up with next time love to be here Sounds great. Guys, thanks again for joining. And uh, don't forget, jump out on our website. Uh, all our media links are out there. And uh, Ryan, I'll let you throw that out. I never Yeah, remember. that's uh, <laughs> www.rollthenumber4insanity.com. So uh, come check out our website. Maybe sign up for a newsletter. We'll remind you when new episodes are coming out and any other changes that we might be posting. And there are links to all of our social media on the website. Awesome. All right, guys. Have a great one. We'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.